as you guys can expect, my podcast and my YouTube channel is all about the reality, what's behind the scenes on the whole world of real estate investing. So there's no bullshit. We just say it the way it is. Anybody that tells you that, you know, what we're doing is easy and you could be so successful and all the other stuff. Yes, you can be successful, but it's not easy. And if someone tells you it's easy and they never lost money, they are fucking lying to you. Plain and simple. Okay. So today's guest is Keith Massey. And I'm so happy that he's on today because we get real vulnerable. And, you know, we talk about the whole mental health issues and he's a successful real estate investor. So, you know what, it's all about being vulnerable. Um, and that's why I love just the content that's coming out of these podcasts and from the YouTube videos. And I uh, just want to say, I appreciate you all. I appreciate all the comments you guys send me on a regular basis on just how real and raw this podcast has become. So you guys take care and enjoy this show. Hey, what's going on, everyone? You got the 7-2 Real Estate Investor here with my man, Keith Maxey. Like, so first of all, before I do a whole introduction, get Keith talking, um, Keith actually reached out to me last, uh, a number of months ago, and I had just gone all vulnerable and shit on social media and just said, fuck it, I'm doing this. And it was amazing that Keith reached out to me, and uh, if I remember correctly, his message to me was he was inspired that I was just fuck it. I'm just going to throw it out to the universe. And, um, and that's how we, that's how we connected. And, um, I, I'm so excited about this, this episode. Uh, and the reason is, is Keith and I have a conversation once a week. It's in the calendar. It's non-negotiable. And the reason that is, is there's so much emphasis on the real estate business, uh, as, as everybody knows, and everybody's talking about the business ROI or the return on investment. But rarely do people talk about the human ROI. So I'm proud to say that Keith actually sits on my board of directors for my mindset. So it is critical that I have the opportunity to speak to someone like Keith on a weekly basis who's also an investor but understands the importance of mindset. And we have some crazy conversations. Um, and uh, so, Keith, welcome. welcome. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, Mark. I'm actually really excited to be here. I it always sounds like one of those uh, uh, I don't know placative. I, I forget what the word is, but it sounds like a nicety, but it's not. I'm actually really excited to be on your podcast. Oh, I, I, it's great. I listen to you. Actually, it's what, what's fun is that when I walk my dog or if I go for a run, I'm I've consumed all of your podcasts now and you know, now I can listen to myself on when I go for a run. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we had to get you here sooner or later and we had to, you know, essentially make you uncomfortable. So mm -hmm. here we are, which is, I love it. And, um, and you know, really today the whole focus is going to be on, on this on that authenticity. See, I'm being vulnerable. I can't pronounce a fucking word. Authenticity. Okay, because when you want authenticity, um, I'm going to screw this up all podcast, but we have Keith here and, 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 you know, it's amazing. Like Keith has been investing for 10 years and as Keith will talk, we'll get more into the story. He fell into it, but really the speed to which where he's really taken off really happened nine years later. So 
it just goes to show, you know, what happens in our mindset and so forth. Um, Keith is very cool in that Keith develops video games. He's like, he develops video games. That's really cool. Um, I'm not a hockey, I'm not a video game person. Uh, we had a conversation about that, but it's amazing across on this journey. And when I have these, these uh, epiphanies, the first person I reach out to is actually Keith because Keith is able to look at it from like the matrix, uh, which is pretty awesome. So for those of you that are here saying, ah, oh, shit, here we go again. There's no real estate stuff. Yeah, it'll get there. If you don't like it, you can get off right now. <laughs> so Keith, let's, let's talk about your story, man. Yeah. So, you know, it goes back actually. So my, my journey really started uh, with the housing crisis of 2008 and the market collapse back then. Um, so I have my own game studio. So I've been developing video games since 1999. Um, uh, I've actually ran two separate studios, a couple other companies related to video games. I've actually taught uh video game development, um, uh, both in the private college and university uh, levels. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's a challenging career. There's lots of layoffs. Uh, uh, when people talk about, I, I find it hilarious when people talk about getting a job and having job security. As an employer, I know that there is no job security out there right? Like I can replace people if necessary. People are always going to be leaving. Uh, I'm always fighting for the next dollar coming in so I can develop video games with it or develop a product. And if I don't have it, I have to lay people off. I actually had like, um, I'll get to it later, but uh, one of the worst situations that have, has ever happened to me was laying people off at Christmas um, it for three years two years in a row and then one year uh another time and here i am like saying merry christmas here's your pink slip and knowing that i was uh like giving people at what is supposed to be a very exciting but usually a very emotional time just more emotional burdens you know they can't pay their mortgage they can't pay the rent how are they going to pay food they have all this new stress on themselves and it can really uh, affect people in their lives so it's been i've had a very challenging journey that way but i know that there is zero job security out there mm -hmm. and that's one thing that people i think really get confused by mm -hmm. so Absolutely. so yeah uh, like my real estate journey started back in uh 2000 and eight i say because that's in 2010 i actually had this uh fairly good contract working uh for a publisher making a game that uh they needed and all of a sudden they didn't pay and i call them up on the phone hey how are you where, where, where's the check oh it's in the mail well i know that's not the case what's going on so the next week where where's the check oh yeah sorry we decided to cancel the contract not only that we would like to have our development funds back so they are asking for money back after we had already spent them on development so anyway none of that happened i had to close the doors and i was looking i hate to say it i was looking for a job just trying to figure out what i was going to do at that point um it was you know a very challenging time i found a job that was going to be out in uh, newfoundland uh, another game development studio that was out there 
and they were hiring at the time. And what I, my wife and I had already talked about it. I had met a couple of real estate investors um, that I kind of knew uh, back in Niagara, but I didn't really quite understand um, the, the, the concepts of leverage, the concepts of uh, OPM and where I could actually take a real estate uh, journey. And they even said, you should really do this. You should get it. Like you should be making this your career. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm gonna go and make video games again. Cause at least I know what I'm doing there. So uh, at that time we kept our house. So we, I left at the end of 2010. So that's when we started renting out and being a landlord. And I had a lot of challenges to, to go through at that point because not only am I a new landlord, I'm also a landlord in a different province. So how do I manage this? Like I didn't even have what I now recognize as a power team. I had to build it. I had to create it from scratch because I needed somebody to go if the toilet overflowed or any problems that I had. Uh, deal with that. I actually hired a property management company not knowing what I was doing. Uh, so I hired this property management company to place a tenant and to, to manage the property. And they placed the tenant and you know they were they were actually a pretty good tenant for the first year where they were paying the bills and and paying the rent uh and they were pretty good to deal with but i didn't realize that they were in basically on a student grant so the first year was great and then the second year i had the nightmare tenant they turned into a professional tenant and it took me about six months to to get rid of them at that point However, at that time, so six months later, uh, I, I've already been in Newfoundland for about a year and a half. I lose my job, I'm laid off. And uh, if you have any East Coasters who are, uh, you know, what, listening or watching the podcast, it's, uh, they have a term called CFA, come from away. So that's anybody who comes from outside and is not somebody who has family ties or connections or originally from there. So as a CFA, I found, I actually had these invisible barriers of actually finding employment while I was out there. So I, you know, time, time, times were tough. I, I had a professional tenant. I'm trying to deal with it from outer province. I had kind of built up most of my power team by that point, but I had to go back to Ontario, um, uh, fortunately, my mother, she actually came out to Newfoundland to watch our kids at the time. While I went back, I lived at her place because we lived near, uh, my house was near where my mother was. And went back, fixed it up, and then I sought out counsel for the very first time. I went to a friend of mine who was a landlord. Uh, he had multiple properties. And I said, what do I do? And he just sat me down and walked me through all the steps. Okay, here, you got to do this, you got to do that. And he walked me through a process. By the end of a two, two weeks, it took me to clean, repaint, um, do the minor renovations that were required, plus advertise and get a new tenant in. Two weeks later, I was happy again. Mm -hmm. It was great. Um, learned a lot uh, at that point, which was great. But I still had this challenge that I was out in Newfoundland and I didn't have a job and what do I do? So anyway, it's always been there. That property has been a great investment to whether through some of those hard times, having a little bit of extra cash was always great, knowing that the mortgage is getting paid down. But I always had that, you know, I didn't have the mindset to how do I scale this? Where do I take it from here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So let's fast forward then is let's fast forward. So now we're, like you said, a lot of your action, the majority of your action. So if we go to the 80, 20 rule, but if we're dealing with 10 years, then we're saying in the last year, you that's where 80% of your action has happened. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that. First of all, let's talk about the action number one. And then I have a second question after that. Yeah. So, um, the it, it was a culmination of factors um and uh you know uh in 2018 at the beginning of 2018 my mother was diagnosed with cancer and sorry it may be hard for me to say this no, uh but she was she was diagnosed with cancer and um we knew it was going to be a challenge to get through uh and my parents were also like you know i hate to say it but like, you know, we were middle-aged. I've never had a, a, a real significant challenge in my life. Um, I had a great education, great parents. Um, you know, we, we didn't have uh, any kind of lavish lifestyle, uh, but my parents always gave to us as kids. And they also made sure that they were saving in the background and they always made sure that um, we're, we would actually, they were leaving a legacy behind as best as my dad who was you know he graduated from high school um you know he had a but i think he tried college but he didn't uh go through with that and then you know had a bunch of different jobs until he wanted to landed a, a job at general motors and was able to keep that job and it was great it gave him a pension so he could retire on my mother was a teacher um so everything was good in that respect, like financially with them. And so they left a legacy behind for my brother and myself. And with that, they, um, you know, they, they were very clear, very open with where they were financially. And it's like, okay, we're receiving something. And, uh, and because of that, I already knew that I needed to be a, a good steward for the money. I didn't want to just take it and like, okay, I'm going to pay off my house and, and then I can maybe early retire. No, no, no. I needed to make sure that this money was going to be put to good use. And at the time I, I also started watching, you know, I was looking up everything of what I can do. And I, and the first thing I gravitated towards was real estate investing. And so I started watching Matt McKeever, Mike Rosehart, Matt Pichet, uh, Graham Stephan, just consuming as much content as I could. Now, at the end of 2018, uh, October 1st, 2018, uh, the, the video game studio that I was working at um, had provided me a lot of challenges where I had, like I said, I laid people off two Christmases in a row. And then uh, that was the point where I was getting near a breaking point. I was going through a lot of stress with what my mother was going through. Um, my business partner at the time was starting to become a little bit abusive in our relationship. And I, I just needed a break from a lot of things. And, uh, and then, of course, in order to take a break, what do I do? I start a new job. And the new job, so October 1st, uh, 2018, I start this new job. And I had nothing to do. They were supposed to have some big projects for me. Nothing came about. So, you know, I, I was able to utilize my time. It was like, I would ask, look for the projects, go to my uh, boss, my boss's boss, and look for things to do. I was reading everything I could, learning as much as I could, but I still didn't have enough to do. So I was able to, you know, in the evenings and then a little bit in, during the day, 
just start watching these videos and learn how to be a better real estate investor and take that up a notch. And then 26 days later, my mother goes into the hospital. So here I am in this brand new job, dealing with the stress of everything else that was going on with my business and uh, dealing with the stress of my mother now going into the hospital, trying to manage and navigate through this new job. It was literally the lowest point that I would say I had ever been. And, uh, you know, 11 days later, my mother passes away. And, uh, and then that, that's where I realized, okay, this is, you know, I already knew it was serious and real before, but now this was, had that finality to it. Um, later on in, in um, April of 2019, um, I had been moved from one department to another. So they didn't have enough work for me, and then they moved me. And then they said, well, because you uh, didn't work, uh, because you didn't do the work that we hired you for, we have no idea if you're actually a good employee or not. So we're going to just throw on another six months of probation onto your contract already. And so I'd be under probation for a year at that point. Plus, my I'm dealing with you know, the stress of my mother passing away. Now the relationship with my business partner, I'm getting uh, at that point pushed out further and further from the business. I was actually uh, in a conversation, um, in an email conversation where uh, the staff was told not to bother with me with anything, but reading between the lines, it was separating me from the business itself. And I, and again, sort of an abuse, abusive relationship that was going on. So more and more, I, I just felt like this is just terribly wrong. And I got this. Anyway, I moved into a new department, got a new boss. And within two weeks, um, all of a sudden, I was at work. Uh, it was lunch. And I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, you know, as you can tell, I'm not the most fit person ever. But um, anyway, it was... I was really uh, surprised. My heart started racing. It wouldn't slow down. Obviously, I knew I was under a lot of stress. And I called my wife and I said, hey, you got to come pick me up and take me to the hospital. She came out, went. A week later, I was in the hospital for the week. And uh, they said, no, was, uh, the only thing we can figure out is that you had a panic attack. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I've been through a lot, uh, you know, just emotionally and not really having enough of an outlet to uh, figure out how to navigate that, not seeking counsel uh, at the time. So I wound up taking a break from, from the day job. And during that period is when I actually started the real estate um, investing. So I had contacted, actually it was it started a little bit earlier than that, but thankfully uh, everything was, um, you know, there was lots of bits and pieces that were going on, but I had already reached out to Mike Rosehart and I JV'd with him on two properties that we were able to, to purchase. And that was the biggest turning point because once we actually had the renovations, the properties purchased, renovations done, the refinancing where we did a full burr on one of them as a student rental. And I was... At the end, I was all in for like $4,000. I was thrilled. I owned a whole property and I only had $4,000 into it. And I was cash flowing. It was great. Um, and that was the point where in the summer last year, things started really turning around. Uh, it was where, hey, 
I can do this. I can, you know, I'm JVing with Mike. He was acting kind of as a coach, um, giving me more information, and I was consistently and continuously consuming all that content from Matt and Mike and just getting as much as I could, uh, as much information. So I decided at the end of the year that, hey, you know, my wife and I were looking for, we were thinking of a new place. And so I started to utilize some of the skills that I had learned, uh, bought a new place and it was great. Like, and that's the house that we're living in now. We actually were able to buy something that had multiple exit strategies for us. Mm -hmm. um, we turned our old place into an Airbnb. Uh, we turned the, our new place, we can do a duplex conversion. So when our, um, I have one kid going into university this fall and then the other one is going into high school. So over the next four years, we're going to just kind of weigh it out. Do we really need this whole house or can we downsize a little and have somebody else pay off the mortgage? And, you know, that freedom, that flexibility is something that I really appreciate because, mm -hmm. hey, I might want this whole house and, you know, be able to do stuff. But if not, I can do something with it. And then if I move out, then I can also have, you know, duplex it and have it rented out uh, to some great families that we can mm -hmm. find. So, yeah, it's really been sort of that, uh, you know, I've gone through those uh, challenges. I've had the, the challenge with the mental health. I, I sought out help for that. Uh, and yeah, it, you know, it's been with all the, the positive aspects of real estate. I would say that, like, honestly, real estate is what really saved me from the, one of the lowest points of my life. Yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating that when I speak to a lot of you know, and I'm blessed I get a chance to speak to a lot of successful individuals, whether it be real estate investing or entrepreneurs and so forth. It was that moment of getting kicked in the teeth, uh, or as I call it, the 7-2 moment, right? Getting played a bad hand, and it really comes down to how you play that hand. Um, and I, I, I don't want to wish a 7-2 moment on everyone, but a 7-2 moment is probably one of the most humbling acts because at that point, uh, we have a choice and it's how we respond to that moment that's going to define us. And, you know, it's, um, at the end of the day, our belief system is a choice. Whether people want to believe it, it's, it's our choice. I mean, hey, you know what, uh, I was listening to, uh, to something today and they said, hey, we, we all believed in Santa Claus at one point, but then, you know, we were told after it was our choice. That's what it came down to, right? So, and you said something very fascinating. And, and this is something that, you know, will lead us into, you know, the next conversation, um, which is, you said, utilize the skills. Mm -hmm. That's it. Utilizing skills is the action that's required. You, you know what? It's, um, you don't have to be that, that expert to do real estate. You don't have to be that expert. You just got to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a key point. And see... We had this conversation last week, uh, which was with respect to the whole uh, premise, uh, premise with uh, um, analysis paralysis. And analysis paralysis is, is, that's almost like putting yourself into like a mental health crisis yourself because you just, the, the wheels just spin and you just can't get out of that, that, that hole. Yeah, it's kind of, I've always kind of felt that it's like being inside of a, a jar, a canister, 
there's this whole great world outside, but you can't see it because you're stuck inside of your own little framework. And that until somehow, either through your own action or through the actions of others. Now, I think a lot of people are waiting for the actions of others. And, I, and our mentor, Ben Murison, actually recently said, everybody is waiting for that moment so that they can change their life. Meanwhile, they, most people don't realize that they have control over their own destiny. And they can control their own life and their goals and where they're heading by making those conscious decisions. But we get ourselves tricked into these ideas and these notions that um, we have to think in a certain way. We have to act in a certain way. Even now, like I know on a daily basis, I always try to act in a certain way. It's not always to my benefit. And I think I'm doing, you know, the right thing. But you never know. And, and, uh, and, I, and that's one of the reasons why I really like hanging out with you. Because, well, fuck the right thing. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing it. Exactly. I, I wake up in the morning. I want to be a decent human being. When I go to bed, I want to reaffirm, was I a decent human being? And how do I become a better, decent human being the next day? That's it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it really comes down to that. The, my, the, the ideas and the thoughts and the actions that we take are all really minutia, but it should all be driving towards one specific purpose. Can mm -hmm. I be better by the end of the day than I was at the beginning of the day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've said this before, um, fantastic book, fantastic uh, Audible, which is uh, Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. And he talks about, you know, taking, taking uh, you know, yesterday's soul. And that's what I, I, I want to empower uh, for those that are watching and those that are listening and everybody I meet is take yesterday's soul. Because if yesterday you were a better person than you are today, you just got your ass handed to you. You got to take yesterday's soul. That's it. It's a strive for improvement every fucking day. Like, you know, I, you know, and, and I want to get into this real quick here, but you know, we're going to talk, and this is going to be the wow factor in this conversation is there are some parallels between like, you know, we talk about uh, Hatfield, Chris Hatfield, amazing, yeah. uh, our, our Canadian astronaut who's written so many phenomenal books, but there's a lot to be said regarding this. And if, if people are looking for analogies and, you know, if you can imagine for those that get stuck in that rut of analysis paralysis, if NASA had analysis paralysis, would we have ever put someone on the frickin' moon? When, how many years ago was that? When, frick, there's more technology in the iPhone 1 than there was on that space shuttle or space. Mm -hmm. But if we got stuck in analysis paralysis, would we have internet? Would we have Wi-Fi? Would we have... I mean, would we have this? Would we be able to do this? No. Yep. So, so why are we holding ourselves back? Like, honestly, if we're talking about real estate, okay, just imagine what's the worst fucking thing that's going to happen. It's a bad deal. Okay. Just sell it. Yep. It's a bad deal. Yeah. Okay. It, actually, funny enough, recently I had a, uh, had a bad deal. Um, I had a, a property under contract. It looked like it was actually going to be a, a good thing to do. Um, and I had, uh, the deal was wrapping up very late at night. It was actually past when I normally go to sleep and I should have walked away and said, no, let like this can wait until the morning. Mm -hmm. This isn't a fire. This is not an emergency. It can wait. But I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Just want to get it done and then put it behind me. And then I, I uh, 
literally uh, doing the calculations, I forgot to carry the one. And so what looked like a good deal at night, when I woke up in the morning, there was something bugging me in the middle of the night and I went over and looked at everything. I'm like, oh shit, I just screwed myself. Okay. And I went, and this was going firm on a deal too. And this is, you know, one of those lessons that you learn that you have to be double checking and triple checking the work and even having another pair of eyes on it before you actually mm -hmm. do that. And, but, you know, I, I've, in business, so I've been mostly self-employed throughout most of my career. And one of the things that I've always learned is, yeah, shit happens. But it's whether or not you make manure that you can sell on the side of the road with it and make mm -hmm. something good out of it. You know, put it in your flower bed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I took this and it was like, well, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I wound up pivoting. I found some great partners that uh, I wound up assigning the deal to them because this was exactly ticking all the checkboxes that they had. Didn't check all the, the, the checkboxes that I had, but it worked for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great, let me work with you. And so, you know, it was worth the investment for me uh, to help them on their journey. And, uh, and that was really beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just a way that you, you learn by doing and, and you learn by making mistakes. Mm -hmm. If you don't make a mistake, how are you ever going to learn anything? You can learn by reading a book, but you, there's a certain point where you actually have to do it. And that's what I, my, my big takeaway uh, through, I would say most of my career is, has been through making mistakes and figuring out how to get around it. To me, there, a mistake is a hurdle. People see roadblocks. I just see something I have to jump over. I can do it. It takes a little more effort, but it's something that you can get around. You don't have to let it stop you. And a lot of people treat it as a brick wall and that's it. Or the, the analysis paralysis is the brick wall of even trying to do it in the first place. Or it becomes their, or it becomes their cop out. Oh, I'm stuck. You know what? And, and the thing is, Keith, like, you know, and rule number one, okay, for those watching and listening, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Okay. Any, yeah. any person that comes up to you and says, hey, I've won in every aspect. I've done this. I've done that. All my investment properties, I'm kicking ass. Fuck you if they're not. Because you know what? They're risk we're all risk takers. And when you take risk, you know, as they say, right? Life's biggest risk is not taking one. Okay? So I've had properties that have just broke even or maybe took a loss. Mm -hmm. But that's why I excel. It's like Thomas Edison. He, he failed, what is it, a thousand times. 10,000. 10,000 yes. times to get the, the, light, the light bulb to work. And then he succeeds. Look around you everywhere. That was the basis of that. So, yeah. you know, and, and so I just have to get that message across. And what happens with analysis paralysis, there's a reason why people get trapped with analysis paralysis. This is it right here. They get too emotional about the deal. Remove the emotion. Keep it strictly to the numbers. Have your guidelines. Have your checklist. If this is your checklist and saying it meets this requirement and it meets this requirement, then do the math. Do what it is. If it meets it, go ahead. Don't get, don't get romanticized about it. Actually, I want to take that one step further. I, 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 and I respectfully disagree. 
Okay. I think I, if I, you I if if you have a checklist, and this is the same checklist uh, as an employer. I mean, and uh, part of, part of the journey that I took as a teacher was teaching career management. And one of the first things that I talk about, and um, the video game industry is hilarious when it comes to job postings. You should take a look at some sometime. I need somebody who can have like. 20 years of, of um, education, I need somebody with 10 years experience, and this is a starting position, right? It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like you want the world, you're asking for the moon, and you need somebody to have five years experience, but they're coming right out of university in terms of pay scale. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So uh, one of the things that, uh, that I always tell people is that if you fit 80% of that checkbox, that and again 80 20 rule if you fit 80 percent of that those check boxes perfect apply because they'd rather find somebody moldable because it's really usually the soft skill the technical skills are easy you train somebody it's a little bit of education takes a little bit of time it's the soft skills that really are the ones that make the difference so are you a team player are you going to be great with talking with other people depending on what type of position that you have it might be more in sales where you need uh, maybe more negotiation skills maybe it's in hr and you need more negotiation skills who knows but the whole idea is that whatever that position is you don't have to fit all of it and i think the same thing exists in real estate it may not be the perfect deal um, because guess what? Perfect deals don't really come across all that often. And, and, and the fact is, what is the definition of a perfect deal? I've yet to walk into a perfect deal. A perfect deal is what you make. You create that. If, if there's something that even exists of a yeah. perfect deal, because I've run and I've run numbers and I've invested and the numbers look good. They meet my minimum requirements. And I think I should have put an asterisk on my checklist. I have minimum requirements. So they yeah. pass these minimum requirements yeah. and then I do that. And I'm like, Oh shit, shit. <laughs> right. Cause there's always something, but again, it's no different than if someone's stuck in analysis paralysis, do you buy stocks? Do you have mutual funds? You know what? If you're buying stocks, how are you buying stocks? I, if anything, that's where I'd be more concerned because that is completely emotional. Oh, the stock's going up. It must go up. Oh, I have an iPhone in my hand. I better buy Apple versus not looking at the fundamentals. And I love what you said there. And this is very, very important, Keith. I love this. I love this. I love this. People ask me, how do I, how do I, how do I look at a deal? I look at a deal from a complete prism from an active side to a passive side. Mm -hmm. When I run my numbers, I run it at a 10% interest rate, 10%. Mm -hmm. If it's making money, even if it's making two bucks, it's a good fucking deal. Yep. Because the likelihood of me having it spend 10% interest is likely going to be low. But my worst case scenario is, is if I can't get funding and I do get a, a private lender and I got to put 10% into it. Hey, I still have an asset. Yep. So 100%. And, to, and that's exactly it. That to me, there, there should not be this concept of perfect because I think that concept is what holds people back. They don't want to get involved until then. But to me, that is the perfect deal because you got mortgage pay down and you got cash flow. Even if you're making two bucks and there are people who are like, well, I won't buy a house unless it makes a minimum $200 a door, $500 okay. a door. And that's great. I'll, 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 I'll take the 50 and I'll have 10 of those making up your 500 at mm -hmm. that point. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, <laughs> I love this because, and, and for some of you, you're probably thinking, oh, they're talking about me. Yes, we are talking about you. Yes, we are. Complete disclosure. Okay, we're talking about you. I bet your wife or your husband, were they perfect? Are they perfect? Probably not. You've adapted. Same thing with real estate. Same thing what we do. Okay, so we cannot... And I say this with the utmost respect. Yeah, like uh, uh, my spouse, and, she, and she's beautiful. She's a kind-hearted woman, beautiful on the inside. And I just love her to death. Is she perfect? Hey, I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. But you know what? We're growing. Mm -hmm. We're growing. And growing is, progr is progress. Okay? Well, and, and I, I think it's like anything else, right? Um, Darwinism at its base... Uh, level is stressors on a say a living organism is what makes it evolve so did we come out as human beings right out of the right out of the egg so to speak no we didn't we had to go through millions billions of years of evolution uh to get to where we are right now and what mm -hmm. happened our bodies were stressed we adapted we grow grew and then changed to compensate for the, that adaptation to make us better and the same thing goes in real estate like for instance um so back in uh the spring i had a great idea i was going to turn my last place i've been renovating it for a couple of months finally got it ready and we launched our first airbnb we had our business set up we had everything ready to go uh had the photographer in i was so excited and then the very next week lockdown well shit what do you do then right it's like is there going to be travel nobody knew um so i adapted i i just reached out to the the guest who was already booked in and it turns out that they were already booked in because they needed a place to stay. they were trying to get back to china but they couldn't because uh, there were already travel restrictions in place and then I had somebody else reach out to me and say, hey, we're from Canada. We're coming from the Philippines, uh, but we need to come back home because of work. And we're waiting for our house to be built. Can we stay with you? So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can totally stay with me and I'll cut you a deal. Mm -hmm. And I gave them like a smoking hot deal. I figured a uh, bird, uh, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So I had a guest. They were going to stay long term. I gave them a deal where, you know, I'm not making, actually, I'm not making money now because in the, uh, in the summer, they turned on the air conditioner only to find that it had broken over the last six months. So I had to replace that. Oh, now I remember that, pocket. sorry. But I look at it, like I've already had them paying off, paying down the mortgage. Um, I, I know that I'll have that money there anyway. And yeah, it's one year where it's a little bit slower in terms of what type of profit I'm making but I'm still making a profit when I take a look at the mortgage pay down. So it's just about adapting and reacting to the stresses that come in. Mm -hmm. And it's, and you know, I, 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 I think it's funny. It's one of those things where you can always talk about, for me, I externalize it into my business. My business is not me. I've uh, very early on, I learned how to separate myself from the business. So I'm not like overwhelmed by my own ego mm -hmm. or if anything negative happens to the business, I don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot, there's still a lot of people who do that. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and 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 again, if I make a mistake, I made the mistake, not necessarily the business, mm -hmm. unless if the business had bad processes in place, and then that's something I can fix. Mm -hmm. But you know, take ownership of those those actions makes a big difference. But it, you know, at the end of the day, like I can, you can easily talk about these things when they're external to you. But when it happened to me in 2018 and early 2019, it was very internal, and I didn't know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even, even the, you know, the smartest person in the room, they still need to go to find somebody smarter. You have somebody who has mental health challenges, you need to go and seek help for that in counseling. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent, especially, you know, I, I don't know if I really fit sort of the, the average of what uh, the male model should be for whether or not I, I was trying to be stoic and deal with my problems and swallow my, you know, swallow the emotions or anything. I, I don't think I was really doing that, but he didn't know how to get it out. And mm -hmm. that's, that's where, you know, this, my stressors put me into such a place where I was breaking down, physically yeah. breaking down. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I had that both physical and mental resolve to say, you know what, I'm in control of this. It's up to me. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, we need, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, since then, not only did I start on my real estate journey, I've joined a mastermind, which you and I are a part of. I've uh, signed up for additional uh, training courses. I signed up with a fitness coach. It's, it's no longer time for me to make things happen and wait for the future. It's time to make things happen now so mm -hmm. I can have a future. Uh, absolutely and uh, this is this is awesome and my my hat's off to you because it's i uh, take off my hat but my earphones would fall off um but um the a lot of individuals and i was guilty of that too as we come into this because we're overwhelmed and we're told get a power team get a power team get a power team which is granted yeah you need a power team on your business but i urge all of you get a power team around yourself exactly you run your mindset, run your body, run your spirit like a business. If you're running a business and you have an employee that is always on social media posting what they're drinking and, and is that acceptable? If not, then why the fuck are you doing it yourself? So you got to run your mindset as a business. And if you're focused on putting a power team around your real estate business, put a power team around your mind because they go hand in hand you can have the best real estate business but have a poor mind i guarantee you this will not stay afloat this yeah. will not stay afloat you focus on your mindset shit you can have this real estate you can have that real estate shit you can have anything you want and talking to keith here i mean Keith got vulnerable with us talked about being hospitalized and so forth and now Keith is all in on his personal development journey. And this is why in a 10 year span, within the last 18 months, we're seeing the speed he's at right now because he's made a decision. He had a choice to invest in himself. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it was always one of those things where I, uh, for instance, I have a couple of hobbies that I'd like to do. And, uh, and 
honestly, right now, because of how the business is going, I, I do have to put them to the side. But for the longest time, I kept putting it into the to the side because I wanted to focus on everyone else first before I focused on myself. Um, you know, but it, it's the, and I know you've used it like. I, I would say on almost every podcast, the oxygen mask, right? You have to put it on yourself first. Take care of yourself. It's uh, it's mental. It's spiritual, emotional. It is your mindset. And that makes such a huge difference for how you're able to, you know, handle the storms that are going to come. A storm will come and a storm will go. And hopefully you have very peaceful days in between where you can really focus on these things. But it's funny because... Um, I actually wish people to have storms. Mm -hmm. Like it's it, uh, one of my favorite memories of all time was when my wife and I were getting married. Um, we we are already gone through the ceremony and we were at the reception hall. And there's this, we had a great photographer where she took very candid photos and she has this photo of my wife, myself, my mother and my father-in-law. And the four of us are trying to figure out a seating chart plan because one of my relatives, well, she didn't want to sit where she was sitting and, you know, she was already at the open bar for a while. And, um, you know, we just thought, okay, let's move her. And we were trying to figure it out. And then my uh, best friend who is uh, my, well, I call him the other best man. He was one of my best men and he came out and like, he's in a, he's a Mountie. He was in his full red surge and uh, looking very ceremonial. And he's like popping his head out. Like, where are you guys? One of my best favorite moments of all time and then we got it captured in a photo that i had no idea that the photo was even taken at the time and so when people get married i always say i hope something goes wrong and the reason why is like i, I went to a friend's wedding and they had uh, one of those wedding planners and this woman was very stressed out making sure she was cracking the whip and making sure everything was happening all the way through and it's like this is the most boring wedding i've ever been to mm -hmm. meanwhile we go down to um my wife's family, we were, uh, you know, pretty much if we go to a wedding in Windsor, we kind of expect a, a fist fight to, to occur. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, well, what happened then? Mm -hmm. But to me, that's where, that's where the excitement, the passion is. And, mm -hmm. you know, people need to have that. But it's as well dealing with it because a relationship is going to have storms. Your business will have storms. Mm -hmm. But you will never, if you're expecting clear, calm sailing days all the time, it's never going to happen. Well, and there's a saying like that, right? It's 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 like there's a you'll never you'll never um, grow or I can't remember, I'm going to completely butcher it. But if you're you'll never know how to manage a storm if you're always never if you're never at sea or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly it. Like you can dream about it, but dreaming dreaming is dreaming. Dreaming mm -hmm. is pointless, mm -hmm. right? Like I can dream about going to the moon, but unless if I have a plan and create create that plan and create a motion of action that will take me to the moon, mm -hmm. I'll never get there. And then it'll just be a dream. And it's like, well, that that's great. I want mm -hmm. my dreams to be my reality. And a dream can't be unless if I have a plan. I want to create that plan. I want to create the, the steps. Even if I don't need, I don't need every school step along the way because I will, I know I will learn along the way but I, as long as i take one step forward in that direction i know i'm doing the right thing mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my dream will become a reality as opposed to well i wish because right. i you know my my goal is to not have i think everybody will have regrets in their life and you know but i want to have the least amount of regrets 
Well, you have to have regrets in life. You have to have regrets in your life. Yeah. You have to. You know what? Because it means you live life. Right? Yeah. So, and and, and not saying saying it to do anything illegal or regret saying I did something horribly, horribly, horribly. Regret could be like, I shouldn't have jumped off that rock onto that bike and I lost a testicle for that. I'm not like, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, but what I'm getting at is I I don't want to have the the deathbed uh, idea of, I wish I did this, I wish I did that. Like, I, I did a whole bunch of stuff in my life that I'm really proud about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, things that I've always wanted to do, like be in a rock band. I, I hate the word rock, but being in a band, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, being in plays. I've been in film. I've been on TV. Uh, a, a variety of those things, which you just can't do if you think and hope. Uh, hope is a dirty word. Hope is the F word for me. That's, I don't like the word hope. Um the um it was funny i was talking to someone about this and it could have been on on the podcast and they said that you know you know the, historically we've always said that this the thought process out there is that when you speak to someone that's on their deathbed it's like you know what they they wish they did more and that kind of stuff or had you know and that's actually a myth because when they asked people on our deathbed or in senior homes, it came down to it, what's their, what's their sense of regret or what have you, but they said they worried too much. They yeah. worried too much about things that never actually transpired. Mm-hmm. We are our own worst enemy. That's it. Keith, yeah. um, you know, I know we're getting close to our end here, which I'm going to, because I'm going to have you back on because this is fucking brilliant. I love this. I love our conversations, like I said. And for me personally, I take it. See, I heard this today from Jay Setti. Selfishness should come from selflessness. And going back, we talk about the oxygen mask. Yeah. Right? And for me, I'm selfish that I get this opportunity to speak to you because it allows me, it's, it's, that, it's that circle. And you are so selfless, my man. Yeah, well, I, I remember, so I was raised Catholic. And I remember um, in grade school being told, I don't know if it was uh, part of the religion classes or a priest that had said this, but in order to love others, you have to love yourself first. Mm-hmm. And self-love means taking care of yourself uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and making sure that that, and, you know, and I have to admit, I, I've kind of lost some of that way over the period of time. So that's why I'm now like, I'm all in. I need to take care of myself first. I don't even, usually I don't even start my day till about 10 o'clock because I'm reading, I'm exercising, I'm getting ready for the day just physically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I and I have certain periods of the day where this is family time. Mm-hmm. I don't like my family time to be fucked around with because mm-hmm. that's their time. They are my number one priority, not a property, not and no offense to Ben, not the mastermind. My my family comes first, and everything else comes second. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As long yeah. as you're and, and I like what you're doing is you're putting your time first. My final question, Keith. Mm-hmm. And I know you've studied this, the tombstone question. So for those of you that are listening or watching for the first time, uh, the tombstone question is a question that was posed to me many years ago in that the day we meet the maker, we're not going to be able to choose what's written on our tombstone. Someone else will. 
What will be written on your tombstone? So I have to admit, uh, like some of your other people you've had on your podcast, I've heard that tombstone question multiple times. So coming in with sort of uh, a thought out answer, um, I, I really have thought about it. I mean, I'm going out for a run. I got, I'm listening to you and running away from zombies. So it's a great little mix, but there's time to think uh, while I'm doing that. And at the end of the day, I, so for me, the most important thing is that I try to reverse engineer my life as much as possible. And I always ask people, what do you want to do like when you're retired, when you no longer are working, when you no longer have to actively work for your income and you're earning this passive income and you have everything set up and you, you can do whatever you want. And a lot of people are like, well, I want to travel. I want to buy stuff. I want to get things. I want to whatever. But the one thing I had a great conversation with a friend of mine in and I said, when I retire, I want to give back as much as I, as I can. I want to make sure that I'm um, donating my time. I, you know, whether it's building houses for a habitat for humanity, using the skills that I already have from renovations to building uh, things for other people where people are in need. Um, like I take a look at real estate as a social enterprise. We're providing good homes for good people. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, the most important thing to me at at the end of my life is to make sure that I have made a difference for others. And so what I'd like on my tombstone is he made a difference. Love it. That's awesome, Keith. I like that. Well done, man. Keith, this was just amazing as I expected it would be. Um, and um, I think if I didn't have another uh, podcast I have to film, this would have gone on for another nine or 10 hours. Um, Keith, how can people find you on, uh, on social media? Yeah. So I'm on social media, Facebook, uh, Keith Maxi. Uh, I have a Twitter handle that I don't really use for too much, but, uh, on Instagram, I'm under ludic properties, which is my wholesaling business. Uh, ludic is Greek for games. So I thought that was a, Good little cool. word for that. Um, yeah, and then whatever. I mean, I'm out there. You can easily even find me on YouTube. You can just Google my name and look at all the video game side, but there are contact links to, to get in touch with me. And I'll also put your information in the show notes. So Keith, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so happy that we finally did this. And uh, most importantly, I'm so happy you were able to, you know, share your story with the world. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I like, I, I, hopefully I've made a difference in somebody's life today. Will you stop cursing me? <laughs> Sorry. I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to provide a okay. difference for somebody. There we go. I hope, hope you're you. using that fucking hope shit. Yeah. Hope you, <laughs> hope you, hope you. <laughs>